Will more than two banks fail? Is it time to buy gold? Recently, the FDIC took over two banks that were in trouble. Now we have reports that an additional 20 regional banks have in excess of $650 billion in bond losses. The Fed admits that their increase in interest rates have done little to bring inflation under control. They may well increase the amount and frequency of interest rates. Isn't it time to consider gold in your portfolio? From January 1st, 2023 to today, the price of gold is up twice as much as the S&P 500. Go to blacksandwhites.us, click on the gold bar, and reach out to Advisors Metals and ask Ira, is gold right for you? Call now. It's important. Back to Blacks and White, and joining us today is the former Attorney General for the state of Indiana, Mr. Curtis Hill. Thank you, sir, for joining us. Thank you, sir, for having me. My pleasure. I'm looking forward to this conversation. One of my um, passions uh, is uh, freedom of speech and truth. Uh, We founded this network, Black and White, uh, on a half-hour show once a week uh, to now 13 different programs. And the idea was to provide a platform for people to have an opportunity to speak their mind, speak the truth at least as it is to them, and a free and unencumbered and unpunished environment. We only had uh, two or three rules in this network, and they're still in place. One, you have to respect what the person has to say, whether you agree with them or not. Two, no profanity is to be used on the air, because I don't own a bleep machine and I'm not going to buy one. And uh, don't interrupt a person when they're making a point. So far, I've never had to turn anybody off because if you if you break one of the rules, I shut down the microphone and the show's over. I hadn't had to do that. And, 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 and I think what we need is an environment where we should be speaking the truth as best we can, but in a respectful way. I, I am concerned that the, the Black people are being incredibly manipulated by the Democrats over the idea of reparations. Um, and I, I, I want to talk about that with you for in a moment, just to give our audience a couple of pieces of information. We had uh, one of the squad members introduce uh, two weeks ago a, a bill in Congress to provide $14 trillion in reparations to Black people who were victims or their generations back were victims of slavery. And in California, they're looking at uh, anywhere between a, a million to and seven and a half million dollars in cash payments up front. They're looking at free housing, free ownership of housing, and a guaranteed income for 250 years. Uh, I saw at one of their open committees a gentleman, a black gentleman, who stood up and he said to the committee, I don't care about the police, I don't care about the fire department. I just want to know when I'm going to get my $3 million check. And I think that the Republican Party is making a huge mistake by poo-pooing this idea of reparations because it's a message that the Democrats are pushing hard in the Black community. What say you? Well, first of all, I applaud you with your stand on civility because what's missing in the, uh, in the space of uh, debate is civility. Uh, speaking your mind, speaking the truth, respecting uh, the other side. So uh, I thank you for that. Uh, Reparations is uh, an interesting topic and has become what I would consider a ridiculous topic 
in the sense of what it purports to offer. The concept of reparations or fixing something that has been broken is not in and of itself um, a negative, but the way that it's been treated within, within the regard to the black community that we would have reparations uh, for the legacy of slavery or reparations for the legacy of Jim Crow. And interestingly enough, uh, slavery was a horrible thing. Jim Crow was uh, in many ways even worse. Right. And many people suffered as a result. But I'm, I'm somewhat insulted that someone can put a price not on what I may have suffered through uh, subtle forms of racism that I've experienced in my life, but my father, my grandfather, uh, my great-grandfathers, those who came before me who suffered indescribable oppression, to suggest that there's a price that we can put on that, whether it's 100000 or whether it's a million or more, and then to suggest that we would skip those generations that actually directly were impacted by that activity, and somehow my generation would benefit. There's no calculation that makes any sense whatsoever. I'm, I'm oftentimes thinking that, okay, if reparations gets passed and somebody gives, uh, gives me a half a million dollars for my pain and suffering, uh, does, do we get a new clock the next time someone uh, uh, calls me a, a racist name or treats me in a, in a racially inappropriate manner? None of this makes sense. What I'd like to point out is, is we're really not focusing on what the problem is in Black America today. It's not the legacy of slavery. It's not even the legacy of Jim Crow. Uh, if you look at historically the condition of the Black family after slavery and moving forward into the 20th century, it was growing. The, the, the Black family was intact. Uh, fathers and mothers, children at home, uh, working environments. Uh, the, the Black family was moving uh, very, very forward in, uh, in America until we get to the mid-1960s and Lyndon Johnson's Great Society and the increase of the welfare state. Then you move into the 70s and the 80s and 90s, and the state of Black America declines. 1960, we had less than 25% no fathers in the home in Black families. Today, we're closer to 75% no fathers in the home. That is, not, that is not a legacy of slavery, not a legacy of Jim Crow. That's a legacy of the welfare state that was created by Lyndon Johnson and the Democrats in the mid-1960s. Uh, mid so if we're talking about reparations, shouldn't we really be talking about reparations coming from the Democrat Party that was directly responsible for the ills that we face today? I agree with you, uh, uh, Curtis. I, I listened to the rhetoric when the Democrats introduced this $14 trillion item for reparations. And I'm a student of history. I believe in, in, in doing this job properly, you have to uh, spend some time doing research. Mm -hmm. And I did research and you're, the time period you're talking about to cause the change is absolutely correct. But if I might add one other piece of information, when Lyndon Johnston decided to declare war on poverty to help the Black people of this country, that original program and all the offshoots of it to date have cost the American taxpayer $29 trillion. $29 trillion. What have we done, as you pointed out, we've destroyed the Black family and created a tremendous problem in our society that the family is broken. There is no male leadership in the household by and large. And, uh, and we spent $29 trillion. 
and they want to spend another $14 trillion. Um, one other thing, uh, Curtis, I, I need to uh, tell you is that I have been for over 50 years a registered investment advisor managing money for people. And in one of my other jobs in the financial service industry, I was running a product area for a major Wall Street firm. And uh, I got interested in tort liability settlements, especially with the poor. And any settlement that was made in cash over a million dollars by and large for black families was gone within three years. Hmm. And the larger the dollar amount didn't change the time frame, maybe a little bit, maybe went to four years. My concern, uh, Curtis, is that the knowledge, the, the ability for an individual, regardless of their color, to go from one economic standard to another economic standard overnight means there's gonna be corruption, there's gonna be abuse, it's gonna be waste. And, and all we have to do is look at a lot of professional athletes who went from poverty to riches overnight and were broke, they lost it all. I don't think that, the, that there's a structure in place and I have the greatest fear, Curtis, and nobody else is talking about this, I had the greatest fear that organizations like Black Lives Matter, if money were to flow, are going to be combing to try and get as many people as they can to work with them to figure out what to do with their money and take it. Well, I think that's certainly a, a concern. Um, I, I, I probably don't see that as much of the concern as it is the formula that would go into who gets what. I think, if you, as you described in your opening comments, um, Black America is not solid Black. Uh, there has been a lot of, of uh, mixing uh, since the, uh, well, actually, since ever since we had Blacks in America. Um, and, and so when you get into the issue of who actually qualifies, if you look at some of these states, they have some pretty uh, strenuous restrictions on who actually qualifies as being black from a reparation standpoint. And so let's think about that, for example. You're a black person living in California and you go to get your reparations check and you find out you're not black enough. Uh, somebody has made a standard that says, you're black, you're not, you're, you're not enough black. And then are we gonna start getting into percentages of black? Um, and, and then are we gonna take into account the economic circumstances of the recipient? Uh, we have folks like Oprah Winfrey, uh, LeBron James, who uh, was certainly seen to be uh, uh, supportive of reparations, but surely uh, there's got to be a formula that would exempt them because of the dramatic success financially that they've had. Um, so there's all of these varying issues that come along. And the other side of it, in terms of bringing people together, it does exactly the opposite because this money has to come from someplace. So there's going to be an incredible amount of resentment that's created and, and further division if you've got a group of people who are getting a windfall amount of cash for an event that supposedly uh, reflects back to 150 years ago. Well, everybody's got their own sad stats, sad luck story on, on their own upbringing, their own immigration, uh, uh, a poor uncle, a poor grandfather. So you're gonna get into, into pettiness um, and resentment. All of these things combined do not provide for a, a, an America that's pulling together and moving in the right direction in race relations. It will make the country 
far more divided, uh, far more uh, uh, contemptuous uh, amongst the people who live here. Curtis, uh, we got about two minutes for this segment, uh, but I, I, I want to follow up what you said. My concern is that if just taking the, the, the statistical research of the percentage of Black people who are in the United States that were not born here, have no lineage to anybody in slavery. If you're going to, if you, you're going to say to those people, you don't get anything. I suspect there's going to be tremendous division within the black community of the haves and the have-nots, because as quote you as you said, you're not black enough. Mm -hmm. I think that's exactly right, and and there's there's already problems within the black community of togetherness and 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 uh, just try being a black conservative in the black community. That's that's a uh, that's ample enough. You get into these divisions. And this idea of, of who qualifies and who doesn't and how much, there's no answer to that. Uh, so it, it's, really, it's really an effort to put maximum control on a people that the Democrat Party has had maximum control over for, uh, for uh, several decades. And this is a furtherance of that. Uh, you talk about the fellow who says, I don't care about police. I don't care about this or that. I want my check. That's a method of control of an entire people to control them with the money. No one can, no one's really concerned. These Democrats are putting these bills up. They're not concerned about whether that fella still has that $3 million five years from now. They're just concerned with controlling their vote, buying their allegiance, and whatever happens to that person happens to that person because no one would just uh, irresponsibly throw millions and millions of dollars at people uh, without any assistance on how to manage the money. How to how to invest the money, how to actually put it in use in furtherance of the of the succeeding generations. That's not at play here. What's at play here is just a political payoff. Right. We have been having a, a, a initial conversation with Curtis Hill, former um, uh, attorney general for the state of Indiana. We're going to take a quick break and we'll come back with Curtis. Why do Democrats hate Americans so much? When Hillary was running for president, she said half of Donald Trump's supporters were, quote, a basket of deplorables. Recently, Joe Biden at a speech in Philadelphia told America that half of us are semi-fascist terrorists. Under the First Amendment of the Constitution, we have the right to express our opinions. And if we disagree with the left, they don't have the right to take away our freedom of speech. Clearly, the statement by Hillary and Biden are designed to silence the conservatives in America. Many Americans find it easier to go along with the left and give up their right to disagree. What would America look like today if our founding fathers would have given in to the king and not fought for their freedom? Today, we must fight to take America back. Join the new generation of patriots who believe in the Constitution. Join the new revolution in America. Fire your shot for freedom by voting. Welcome back. And we're having a fascinating conversation with Curtis Hill, the former attorney general for the state of Indiana. We were talking about reparations in our first segment. And you talked about all the things that could go wrong. It was interesting to me that when the California and the San Francisco commissions were challenged about who's going to pay for it, they consistently said, that's not our job to figure out how to pay for it. That's the legislative branch. We just have to figure out what the reparation should be. Now, um, when you're spending somebody else's money, I guess it's easier to spend it than if you're spending your own. 
But there's another part of this reparation story that I, I need to speak with you about as a Republican. Curtis, I think that the Republicans are making a huge, huge mistake. And the mistake is they're not, they're not paying attention to what's going on in the black community about the payment of reparations and the momentum that blacks are building to want to get paid. And so I believe that in the 2022 midterms, uh, blacks began to turn away from the Democratic Party. And the Democratic Party decided they needed something to try and hold the black vote and bring, or bring back what they lost. I believe that the reparations position of the Democratic Party is going to be a major campaign issue in the 2024 general election. I think the Democrats will come up with all kinds of way to indicate that the Republicans who are trying to stop this reparations are a continuation of Jim Crow and all those things. And we're the Republicans are sitting here not taking it seriously. When I talk to Republicans about what's going on, they laugh. It's never going to happen. It doesn't have to happen to stir up sentiment in the Black community. And if the Democrats say, we tried, but the Republicans killed it, give us control of the House and the Senate and the White House, and we'll do our best to try and fix it. What do you think about that? I think you're onto something because Republicans uh, have a tendency to uh, take a lot of things for granted. One of the things they take for granted is what Joe Biden said, which is you're not black if you don't vote Democrat. Right. Um, one of the most racist things for an individual to say. Uh, but there's a ring of truth in that in the in the black community. And the Republican Party uh, apparently feels that way because it doesn't do much to reach into the black community to try to, uh, to bring people out. You made a, a very poignant observation uh, in your remarks that uh, black America has uh, shifted their, their, their voting thought, if not their voting pattern. There's a lot, the, the, if you look at the um, value system in Black America, it's much more closely resembles the conservative Republican than it does the liberal Democrat. And yet Blacks continue to vote by, by large Democrat. They vote against their values. Um, the Republican Party doesn't do enough to address that. And, and to your point, uh, the Democrats recognizing that they're losing some of their grip on Black America comes up with a novel idea. Hey, let's play the game of political uh, lottery. Uh, let's just, let's throw money out there. I mean, they've always thrown money out in programs and, and different efforts to try to entice the Black community into a welfare state of mind. So now we go for the whole enchilada. We don't have enough time to build these super welfare programs. Let's just offer this massive amount of cash out there. And what's their objective? Their objective is not to ever pay the money out. They know they'll never pay the money out. Their objective is to secure the elite allegiance of a bunch of people who think they're going to get some money out of this deal. So once they get the vote, the Democrats don't care what goes on after that. So this is not about actually getting reparations. This is about teasing and prodding and, and promoting a concept of what reparations to get uh, susceptible individuals within the Black community to say, hey, if we go this way, these are the people who are fighting to get me my $3 million check. Boom, I'm going to vote for them. And it, and it really right. doesn't matter what actually happens. Right. You're absolutely right. And I, th I think the Republicans 
are missing it. I, I talk about it all the time, continue to talk about it because I think there's, they're letting themselves, setting themselves up for a, a, a big surprise if they don't do something about responding to this, this pledge. We're focusing, uh, they're focusing on it's never gonna happen, it's never gonna happen. And again, it's not, that's not the point. We don't care if it's ever gonna happen. The point is there are, there's a, a massive number of people out there who have been convinced that it ought to happen. And they've right. been convinced that these are the people who are going to make it happen. And they've been convinced that if they vote for these people who are the ones who are going to make it happen, it might happen. So that, that's that's where Republicans have to get off their duffs and get back engaged in the game and then and come out and articulate rationale for why it shouldn't happen. Going back to uh, Frederick Douglass's comments when he was asked uh, uh, what to do about the, the, the Negro, as they referred to Blacks in, in that day. What to do about the Negro, and he said, "Do nothing with the Negro. We've done plenty already," and that's exactly the sentiment that we should be looking at. We're about a free society. We're about the opportunity to succeed, and with the opportunity to succeed comes the the the, the process of potential failure. That's the American way. That's how we move forward. So uh, this idea that that uh, we can throw out reparations and solve all these problems is absolute bunk but we've got to come out and articulate the rationale behind why it's bunk and be convinced. Right. I totally agree. You know, I, um, I, I, I want to move to another subject. It's somewhat related um, in the time we have left. And that is as the, as the attorney general for the state of Indiana, uh, you have to, you had to deal with crime and, and all kinds of issues. And, and, I, I'm not picking on you, Curtis. I'm just asking a black man this question. I do not understand the carnage that takes place in the inner city in Chicago every weekend and has for as long as I can remember. How is it that the black people in Chicago are not rising up to bring law and order back to their communities and safety for their children. Well, that's a question that you can put across all over America and most urban uh, urban communities. Uh, the focus is always on uh, the very small number of police action shootings, uh, most of which are justified after investigation, a handful of which may not be that are, and that require um, uh, a justice component of their own. Um, but it's a it's a major problem, and 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 I can sort of give you some numbers that kind of help to understand the depth of the problem. There's particularly four numbers: thirteen, uh, thirty-five, uh, fifty-six, and and uh, ninety. And thirteen percent of the population in this country is black. Uh, a rather small number when you think about it. Um, thirty-five percent of the prison population is black, and so those two numbers in com combination is what most people refer to as an example of the disproportionate number of, of uh, inmates in prison as compared to Blacks in the country. Therefore, we have a racist criminal justice system. But if you go on to the next couple of numbers, 56% of the murder victims in the United States of America, 56% of the murder victims are Black. Remember, we actually make up only 13% of the population, but we make up 56% of the murder victims in this country, going to your point about Chicago. And the number 90, that fourth number I talked about, 90% of the people who killed the 56% of the victims 
were they themselves black. Um, this is a very disturbing state of America and, and, a, and a disturbing state of black America that rarely gets spoken about. And it's what's really destroying the fabric of our, of our communities uh, uh, going forward. It's uh, a denial of the serious problems that relate to what's going on in the family structure, uh, the attack on, uh, on males and masculinity, um, the, the, the entire uh, uh, concept of objective truth being shifted around to being relative. All of this plays an important part of what's going on in these cities and the disregard for the truth of the matter. Because the truth of the matter is uh, there's a genocide that's going on within the black community uh, and it's not it's not about the guns. It's about the, the people who are holding the guns and pointing them at each other and shooting themselves to death. Right. Yeah, it is. I just I still have yet to understand that, you know, and, and the and the last thing I have to do uh, is to talk to you a little bit about education. Um, I, I was involved in the civil rights movements in the 60s and 70s, and I was with the organization that desegregated the Columbus Public Schools. Columbus, Ohio. And I, I was in charge of media relations, and it was a tough assignment while the trial was going on. But what I don't understand is all the all the work, energy, and effort that blacks and whites together to bring about reform in our education system and jobs and everything else. We now have black children young adults in colleges and universities who want to bring back segregation. They want Black-only dorms. They want a Black-only curriculum, Black-only food in the cafeteria. They're, they're, they're giving back. They think for some reason it's the right thing to do to give it all back and start over again. And, and I don't understand that. Can you help me, Curtis? We got about a minute. I, I can't understand it myself in the sense of, of what uh, what good that would be. I think where it comes from um, is really from white liberals that are hell-bent on controlling uh, the environment. Um, the, the, this idea that uh, of segregating everything, of, of living within your comfort zone, um, that's another way of, of controlling individuals, uh, hang out with people you're comfortable with. The way that you succeed in America, the way you succeed in life, you got to break free from your comfort zone. You have to expand your way of thinking. You have to expand your your world, your friendships, your 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 just everything about you. And this attitude of being restricted to a certain sect, a certain comfort, a certain color, uh, all that does is shrink you into a into a hold. So anybody who's promoting that is really promoting uh, the, uh, the self restrictions on on people's freedom. Uh, so uh, I, I think it's important that that those of us who don't agree with that. And, and there's nothing wrong with being proud of your heritage and proud of who you are, but we need to be expansive and, uh, and, and support the freedom to, to uh, navigate as we see fit. We've been having a fascinating and informative conversation with Curtis Hill, former attorney general for the state of Indiana. How can people follow you? Do you have a website or anything? CurtisHill.com, pretty simple. Yeah, I guess. Thank you. It was wonderful talking with you. I'd like to have you on again soon. Absolutely. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me now. You're welcome. Thank you for joining us today. And we'd like to hear your comments or questions. So go to bwradionetwork.com. That's bwradionetwork.com. And give us your questions or comments. And thanks for joining us today.